you pray for me today. Lord's been been the working working on me today. Well, I can feel His presence. Pray for my throat. Uh, this brother said that he'd been sick. I, y'all were praying for me last week. I had a, a upper respiratory infection. wasn't COVID. I was tested, so don't worry. Uh, but uh, I'm still kind of getting over that too. My throat's all messed up, and I forgot to bring my Mountain Dew with me today. So, uh, but I believe we'll be able to manage and uh, make sure I've, I've covered everything here. Uh, believe so. So I believe it's preaching time. What do you think? Time for hear from the the Word of God. Uh, I tell you what, there's so many things in church that I love. Uh, that music, it stirs the soul. It gets you prepared. It gets your soul, your spirit, your body prepared for the preached Word of God. It just does something. It's like a well of water that starts springing up. And uh, I wouldn't take anything for it. Uh, I started out leading singing. Uh, before I was ever called to preach, I was, was leading singing, and then I started teaching Sunday school. And then the Lord called me to preach, and uh, that was many years ago now. But uh, singing has always been in my background. Uh, I grew up singing in family groups and traveling around and singing at churches and uh, leading singing. And uh, one time I was supposed to sing with the Kingdom Airs, and I was too scared and I chickened out. And uh, but uh, I'm not I'm not a great singer. The Lord just uh, He just lifts up our spirit though through those songs. And I thank Him for that. But church, the the purpose of church, of course, for the members is to come in and to be instructed in God's Word. To be equipped to go out and preach the Gospel unto every creature. But there's other things that we do. Today, for example, I saw as many of you all got together and you talked and and had fellowship together. And that's edifying of the saints. That's that's what the church does. That's the church body. That's what we do. Uh, and we leave these doors, we are to go out and to be witnesses to all the earth, to make disciples out of those that are lost. And uh, I'm thankful today that God gives us all this information in His Holy Word. Uh, I most of the time stick to the New Testament in a lot of my preaching, but today God's got me in the Old Testament. So if you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Ezekiel today, Ezekiel chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 18, Lord willing on a message I've titled, A Hole in the Wall. Ezekiel chapter 8, verses 1 through 18. We'll go ahead and read our text. Uh, I know there's several verses here, but if you're able to stand, if you could please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. If you're unable, you just remain seated. But Ezekiel chapter 8, starting with verse 1. And we'll go down through to the end of the chapter. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell there upon me. Then I beheld in low a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins, even downward fire, and from his loins, even upward, as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of a hand, and took me by a lock of a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north where was the seat of the image of jealousy which provoketh to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way... uh, the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. 
He said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary? But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jazaniah the son of Shapan, with every man the censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, Hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord has forsaken the earth. He said also to me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the, house, uh, to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tamas. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah? that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence. And they have turned to provoke me to anger, and lo, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore will I deal in fury mine eye shall not spare. Neither will I have pity. And though they cry mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. Father, thank You for the reading of Your Word this morning. Lord, Help us as we try to expand on this text. God, that You'll be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this uh, section of Ezekiel, my goodness. Uh, what's going on here is Ezekiel is a prophet called by God, a prophet of Judah. They've been taken into captivity and Ezekiel's kind of he's puzzled. And he's asking God, God, is it really fair that they should be done this way? Really? Should your people be taken into captivity like this? I, I want this so bad that they've done. And so God gives him these visions of what they've done. He says, look here, I'll show you what's going on. And it's in my very own house. What, a, what an awful thing Ezekiel had to witness. He didn't want to see this, but God showed it to him. And it was in a vision. It says that the Lord had picked him up there. Uh, verse 5, it says, Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way toward the north. And behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. An image of jealousy. Uh, we know this to be, God's called it this, no doubt is an idol that's been built up to a false god. Probably Baal. That was the main false god of the time, Baal. Uh, when you see that word Baal or Balaam or something like that in the Bible, it's talking about that, that uh, false god, that sun god, Baal. And uh, so they have set up some kind of idol. It's an image of jealousy. It's to make the Lord Jesus jealous of what they're doing. And they're doing it on purpose. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't something that they just stumbled on and said, uh-oh, we probably made God mad about it. No, they did it on purpose. 
They decided within their hearts that God couldn't even see what they were doing. They decided that they would do whatever they wanted to do. They would, they would bow down to false idols just like their pagan neighbors. These children of Israel in God's very own house. So most likely this was built up to worship Baal. And it was most likely set up during the, the reign of that evil king Manasseh. Oh, one of the worst kings that they ever had. He was awful. And it was later, later his grandson tore down all those idols. Remember Josiah, the good king Josiah? Uh, he was a good one that God raised up. But this idol has been placed there on purpose. And it's to draw the attention to the fact that they were defying the very God of heaven, the one that they claimed to be their God, and that He claimed to be their people. And so uh, it's, it's to provoke Him to jealousy. Look down at verse 6. He said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary. But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. Now all through this, as we read that text this morning, we kept seeing it. I tried to emphasize it during the reading. Greater abominations. He kept saying even greater abominations. I mean worse than what you just saw. I'm going to put your attention to something that's even worse than what you just saw. It's a greater abomination. Now you may have heard it said in your lifetime, there's no big or little sin. Now I know what people mean by that. But in, in the case of of dying and going to hell, sure, any sin will, will cause you to go to hell. A, a, a little lie, a fib, that, that's a sin that will send you to hell if you're not saved. Murdering someone, certainly you're going to go to hell if you're not saved. And so all sin has the same results. It brings forth death. That's what the Bible says. Because sin brings forth death. But we do see that God in His Word, if you study His Word, you're going to find that He sees things on levels of being worse and worse and worse. Here he kept telling Ezekiel, there's even greater abominations. In other words, worse than what you just saw. So God does see things on a level. There are some sins that God sees as worse than other sins. They're all going to make you die. They're all going to bring death. But there's different levels of, of, uh, of, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Punishment or ways of God seeing uh, these different types of sins. Now, we're not preaching on that this morning. I just wanted to throw that in there. So when somebody comes to you and say, all sins the same, it's any, there's no big or little sins. Yes, there is big sins and there's little sins. They all bring forth death, but there's some that are seen by God as even worse. Uh, and usually those God calls out as abominations. Abominations. Verse 7 says, And He brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Now, if you want to underline things, if you do that in your Bible, go ahead and underline that. Behold, a hole in the wall. You can write down, Brother Byron, preach that today. But uh, behold, a hole in the wall. And this is where the message title comes from. Nobody wants a hole in the wall. A hole in the wall usually means something's happened bad. The, my dad used to tell a story about when he was growing up and him and his sister fought all the time. And uh, one time, uh, she or he grabbed one of her uh, nail polish bottles and slung it, trying to hit her with it, and missed, and it went through the wall of the house, and he got in trouble with it. But a hole in the wall usually spells trouble, and we find right here this hole in the wall. It certainly is going to identify and and put focus on trouble that's going on in God's house. 
And so God leads him there to look in it, to peer in. Now, from all indications, this hole, is, it wasn't the, the, the usual entrance to the room. It, it obviously had a different entrance where people were able to go in and out. So this was a hidden place. And they obviously did not know that hole was there. Otherwise, they would have covered it up so that nobody would see what they were doing in there. And so this hole is there, and Ezekiel's able to look into it, and uh, it, was, it, it wasn't there on purpose, but it was enough to peer in there and see what's going on. And then it said in verse 8, Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I digged in the wall, behold, a door. <laughs> there's, a, there's another door there. There's a secret passage Another, there's a door, uh, and he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So he's instructed to dig into the wall, and when he does, he discovers a door into the room. And remember, this is in a vision uh, that he, he's doing all this in. Uh, he, actually, he was sitting there at the very beginning. We read it there as he was sitting, God in the vision picks him up by the hair of the head and takes him to the temple. And uh, so he's instructed to dig into this wall and he finds a door into the room. And when he goes into the room, he discovers some of the most sinister, the most ungodly, unimaginable things that you could ever imagine. And the Bible called them wicked abominations. Abomination is bad enough, but when it's labeled as a wicked abomination, that's even worse. That word abomination means a morally disgusting act, one that is abhorred and hated. Hated by God. So it's a very powerful word that God reserves for certain sins. Usually they're dealing with idolatry, sexual perverseness, or wicked, depraved human behavior. A wicked abomination. Now it's used when speaking of God's people worshiping other gods and idols many times in the Bible. For example, in Deuteronomy 27 and 15, the Bible says, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord. The work of the hands of the craftsmen and putteth it in secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. These people knew what they'd done was wrong. They've been instructed there in the in the in the law, in Deuteronomy there, in the, in the laws of Moses, God had said, Listen here, if you put up any kind of thing, any kind of idol there and put it in a secret place to worship, then uh, that's an abomination to me. And all the people said, Amen, that's right. That's what they say. Amen. We believe that. We know that. It'll be an abomination. We'd never do that, God. It's used when speaking of mankind, laying with mankind, or otherwise sodomy, as stated in Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. Our country is not, doesn't believe that. Our country and our lawmakers don't believe that. Why? Because they're lost. Because they're sin-sick. Because they're wicked and evil. That's why they don't think anything's wrong with that. God says it's an abomination. Leviticus 20 and 13, If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now you'll find other things mentioned throughout the Bible as being an abomination, such as lying lips, a forward heart, uh, wicked thoughts, a proud heart, and so on and so forth. God calls a lot of things abominations. Now, most of these things that are listed there as abominations, you can find them in the book of Proverbs. It is the book of wisdom that Solomon wrote for us. And uh, in fact, the book of Proverbs and the book of Ezekiel has more usage of the word abomination and abominations than any other books in the Bible. So if you get those two books and start doing a Bible search on them for abomination or abominations, uh, you're going to find they contain most of any books in the Bible.
So these abominations that we're talking about here are very high on God's list of severe, awful sin. Verse 10, back in our text, Ezekiel 8 and 10. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. How Ezekiel must have gotten so sick as he walked in God's house and saw what was going on. It would be like you guys walking downstairs and going into your Sunday school class and there would be awful wicked abominations painted on the walls and people sitting in there bowing down to those things and worshiping those things here in your church. That's what Ezekiel is having to see. That's what God is instructing to see. An abomination going on in his very house, his temple. There on the walls in the temple, in this secret chamber inside of his house, portraying all these unimaginable wicked things portrayed. Portrayed means they've been painted on the walls. You know the Egyptians, how they use those hieroglyphics. If you go over there and look in those ruins and in the, in the pyramids and things down in the tombs and all that, they have these hieroglyphics on the walls that they've carved in there and uh, got them painted out and everything. And they're, they're different forms of animals and beasts and even some are, are human type beasts and things. And, and you'll see them, you may, you may remember seeing this right here, you know, an Egyptian, you know, walk like an Egyptian. Uh, those things that they painted on there, you see the children of Israel have taken those wicked things those wicked symbols, those wicked idolatry things that the Egypt has, had done and took them for themselves to worship those wicked idols in defiance to God. So they had things like oxen, dogs, apes, crocodiles, beetles, snakes. The list goes on and on and on. Those, those nutcases over in Egypt worshipped everything, walking, talking, or, or dead or alive. They didn't care. The sun, the moon, the stars, the dirt, the rocks. They worshipped everything and they made an idol out of it. So, can you imagine this going on in God's house? Verse 11, And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel. And in the midst of them stood Jazaniah the son of Shapan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. This is unbelievable. Friends, it is it's so unbelievable. I can't, I can't imagine what Ezekiel was thinking when he saw this. These seventy men of Israel, he says, were of the ancient... Before the 70 men of the ancients, that means their family lineage went back to the original children of Israel. They were brought up under the laws of God. They know the truth. These men were set up to be uh, the people that lead worship. And they had their, their censers with the, with the smoke and the fire and things. And they were using the censers that they're supposed to use for the worship of the Lord God of Israel. And they're using them for these wicked abominations. 70 of them in there. And not only that, but one of them was, was shaping son there. Uh, what does it say? Uh, the son of Shapen, Jazaniah. You remember Shapen, don't you? He was the one there, the scribe, uh, when they found the book in the wall of the temple and brought it out and gave it to the king. You know, so we found the book of God after he'd been missing all those times. His own son that knew better. He's in there in the midst of these 70 men lifting up incense and, and burning incense up to wicked abominations. And so they're in this secret room worshiping strange, wicked gods, burning incense, mocking the service that's normally done in God's temple. It's a mocking of His service. Using the same thing, tools and, and symbols of God. That would be like somebody coming in here using your hymn books, your offering plates, your, your altar, your, your pews, your piano, and using them for wicked purposes. That's what they've done. And they're, they're proud of it. 
They're doing all this in there. Verse 12, Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? The Bible says that men love the darkness and they hate the light. You know why? Because they're, they're, uh, they're evil. They're wicked. And so they, they love the darkness. That's what these men, they love darkness. They're living in the dark. Every man in the chambers of his imagery. You know what that means? Down in the deep, dark recesses of their mind. They get in the dark and down in the deep, dark wickedness of their fleshly, carnal mind. All these wicked abominations and things they can imagine are in their mind and they're trying to make them come out to be real. The wickedness inside of man's heart. Man's heart is deceitful above all things, the Bible says. Listen to all this, the chambers of his imagery. For they say, the Lord seeth us not. The Lord has forsaken the earth. How foolish could someone be to actually state, the Lord sees us not. God sees all. He knows all. He hears all. You cannot escape God. But we see the true nature of their minds and their hearts. They think God can't see their nasty, wicked, evil, disgusting, profane things because they're doing it in a secret room in the middle, in the dark. And they think because they're doing this that they can get by with it. Now, why do people do things in secret? They don't want other people to see them. Why do you think most crime goes on in the middle of the night? How come we wake up to see awful things in the newspaper that happened in the night while we were asleep? Because these wicked, wicked, evil things happen at night. My daughter was on a date last night. She called and said she may be late, maybe 11 or 12. And my wife said, let's make it 11. There ain't nothing good going to happen after 9 o'clock at night. I'm just telling you that right now. Uh, but uh, listen... Uh, we see the true nature of their hearts. And God's all-seeing eye, He sees it all, and He's shown it to Ezekiel. And they know this is wrong. What they're doing is wrong. They know they're committing abominable acts, and God would not be pleased with this. But they say, you know, as long as we don't get found out, we're fine. But listen, they're deadly wrong. I want you to know today that God directed Ezekiel to the hole in the wall. That hole revealed their wickedness. It all starts somewhere. That hole revealed their abominations. That hole revealed their vile, wicked, evil hearts. And my friend, there is nothing that you do that's hidden from God. You may say now, Brother Byron, you know, my sin, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but nobody knows about it and uh, nobody ever will. I can keep this hidden to myself. It won't affect anybody else. You are fooling yourself. You are lying to yourself. Because somebody already does know. God already knows because there is a hole inside of you that God looks down into the images of the chamber of your imagery. He looks down into the recesses of your heart and your mind. He sees your wickedness, your vileness, your evil acts and thoughts. And they're all in there. We all have them. You may say, not me. I'm innocent. Oh, no friends. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Did you know a lot of sins are thought sins? Mm-hmm. A lot of sins are thought sins. When you uh, are jealous of somebody and then you're working around in your mind, all these things, that's sinful. Uh, when you desire and lust after things that you see and you want them, that's sinful. 
it's sinful. And so a lot of sins are thought sins. You don't have to carry them out for it to be a, uh, a sin. In fact, uh, the Bible talks about a man looking on a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with her already. And so uh, he may not have went through the act, but just the thought of it going through his mind made him guilty and sinful. And there are things, listen, there's things going on today that God sees that we have no idea of. He sees that person that you think is so good and nice and never does anything. He sees every awful, nasty thing they've ever done and ever thought. And He sees yours. So before you're sitting there thinking, mm, I know somebody like that. God's probably watching it. He's watching you. He's watching me. But there's things going on in this world today that would make you literally sick to your stomach if you had to see them. Uh, God knows all those things. There's a hole in our soul that only God can look in and see. The doctors can't go in there and look and see all the things that's inside of you. But God can. And just as Moses told the children of Israel, be sure your sin will find you out. It always will. No sin will remain hidden. It will always be found. In fact, Hebrews 4 and 13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Him that whom we have to do is God. We're, we're standing just naked in front of Him. None of us want to go out in public without any clothes on. We're naked. It would be embarrassing. But God sees your very bare, naked soul. You can't hide it from Him. So many people have the idea as long as nobody sees or finds out then what they're doing is okay. Nobody will ever know and how deadly wronged they are. Listen to what the psalmist David said in Psalm 139, 1-13. David said, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from Thy Spirit? And whither shall I flee from Thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, Thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall Thy hand lead me and Thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from Thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to Thee. For Thou hast possessed my reins, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. David understood the gravity of what God sees. He sees everything. He said, God, the night's the same as day to you. I know that. I can't hide from you if I tried. If I went and tried to hide in heaven, you're going to be there. If I went down and even went down and tried to hide in hell, you're going to be down there. Lord, you're going to be everywhere. I can't hide from you. How it must sicken God to see people putting other gods before Him. Do you know there's people right now that at this very moment, they... They're saved or they claim to be saved. They claim to be Christian. Claim they love the church. Claim they love the Lord. You know what? They're not, they're not having anything to do with the Lord today. You know what they're doing? A lot of them's going out shopping. They're going out eating. They're going to the lake. They're going to games. They're uh, sitting at home watching television, doing all these things right now when today is God's day. It's the Lord's day. 
It's the day that God's people assemble together to worship Him. It's Sunday, the Lord's day. But yet, a lot of people don't care. They, could, they don't think anything about it. Well, let me tell you something, friends. Anything that you put between you and God that causes you to pay more attention to that thing than, it, uh, than you do God has become your idol. It's become your idol. You might as well set up a wicked abomination in front of you and God, between you and God. Because that's what we do when we allow everything else between us and God. If you allow things to hinder you from going to church and worshiping God, and listen, I know God doesn't expect us to have to be every time the door is open. I think we ought to be. I don't think He expects that we have to. If we're sick and things, He understands that. But we are instructed to assemble ourselves together even more as we see the day approaching, by the way. Uh, but now we're seeing it less as the day is approaching. Now, me and Brother Jonathan have many conversations a lot of times about church attendance. Uh, we, we see it all across the board. Uh, churches sitting empty. I drove by plenty of churches on the way here today. We've got a church like every what half mile. I could probably stand in your parking lot and hit two or three churches if I threw rocks hard enough. I got a pretty good arm. But there's churches everywhere. And you know what? The majority of them are sitting empty. Uh, most of their membership is sitting at home. Some of them may be watching a live stream. We're not live streaming today. I didn't want to take the time to set all that up, so not live streaming right now. But some are watching that live stream, but a big majority of them, they've just got out of church. And they're not intending to come back. I've heard some people that have been in church all their life, they say, you know what? You know, I've been in church all my life, and I've heard everything. I've heard all the preaching, I've heard all the teaching, I've this and that, and blah, blah, blah. I'm just not going back. I kind of like sitting at home. I kind of like watching on live stream. Well, I want you to know the Bible tells us we're to assemble together. The live stream's nice when you're not able to be here. But that is not church. I'm sorry, it's not church. It's not assembling together uh, with fellow believers. So, We'll get off that subject. We're almost finished. God sees these things. He shows Ezekiel these things. Ezekiel, you ask me why I've led the children of Israel into captivity. Let me just show you. You would not believe what's going on. We wonder today why some things happen in this country. And we'll blame it on everything and everybody. Do you not think for one minute that God doesn't have control over everything that happens? Do you not believe in the sovereignty of God? That everything that happens goes through Him? He knows it all and sees it all? Do you not think God's hand guides this whole world? Because the Bible tells us it does. If you believe in a sovereign God, then you have to understand He's going to allow this wickedness that we have allowed to go on in this country to have the better of us. Well, God would never do that to us. We're, his, we're a Christian nation. You know who the children of Israel were? They were His very own people. What did He do? He allowed them to go into Babylonian captivity. They never were the same. Do you know when God, when Jesus came to visit His own people, they missed the time of His visitation? They didn't recognize Him as their Messiah? Instead, they called out, give us... Give us Barabbas instead. Don't give us the Messiah. Give us Barabbas instead. Give us that old murderer. Give us him. They missed it. The Lord looked out over all, all there at Jerusalem and he wept. Why? Because they missed it. 
He was there for them. His, their Messiah was there present. All they had to do was accept Him as such. He would have manifested Himself all over that place. He could have set up His earthly kingdom at that very moment. They didn't want Him. They rejected Him. He came to His own. His own received Him not. If you think for one minute that He wouldn't allow us to go through such things that He's allowed the children of Israel to go through, then you are, you are blind. It's very clear from the Bible. God will will allow us to go through some of the worst things you can imagine when we are not doing what we're supposed to do. And this country is not where it's supposed to be. We call ourselves a Christian nation. We're far from it now. We're allowing mothers to, to abort their babies in their own womb. We're allowing same-sex marriage in this country. We're allowing them to, to teach all this nonsense to our, our kids in schools today, this, this racial theory thing that they're coming up with today, trying to make us feel like that we're unworthy to even be alive. Listen, friends, all that's an abomination to God, and we're going to pay for it. And so, you know, the very first commandment of the ten is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I believe you put that there for a reason. He meant it. And so anything you put before God is an, is an idol. It's abomination. Listen to what Jesus said. Luke 16, 13-15. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Cannot. Try as you may. Brother Byron, I'm getting by with it. No, you're not. You can't. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all the covetous, that's another one of those thought sins, uh, uh, heard all these things and they derided him, made fun of him, said, you fool. That's what they were doing to the Lord. And he said to them, ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Men today will look up to, to such people. You know, oh, wow, he's the president of so-and-so. Oh, wow, he's, the, he's you know, got more money than anybody else. Oh, they look up to him and everything. God says, I don't care nothing about that. I care less about that. He don't care about your rank, your place in society, how much money you have. He don't care nothing about that. Because he sees what's on the inside. He's got a hole into the recesses of your mind and of your heart. I'm telling you, friend, God's not happy when we put other things before Him. It was an abomination to Him then. It's an abomination to Him now. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to tell you this and I'll, I'll close. When I was a young man living under my parents' roof, there were rules. I knew the rules. I knew them inside and out. I knew if I did something wrong, punishment was coming. Now, my dad wasn't one of these sissy, sissy men. My dad was one of the toughest you've ever been around. Now, most people didn't know. He was real quiet. He didn't talk much. He was a school teacher, a public school teacher. But you defy my dad. I want you to know the first thing you're going to hear. The jingle of a belt buckle. That's the first thing I heard. When I did something wrong and he found out the jingle of that belt buckle, the pulling off that leather strap from around his waist, bend over! And boy, he would let me have it until I couldn't sit down for a week. I had the imprint of his leather belt on my hind end so deep that it wouldn't come out. Sometimes, I would, 
get by with things. Sometimes I believe he knew and would see what I would do and would allow me to get by with it. But I could only push him so far. And if I cross that threshold of his long-suffering, of his grace, of his mercy, those are three words that we apply to the Lord. And we love those three words because we are so carnal. We have to have those but if you defy God's grace, His mercy, and His long-suffering long enough, you don't want to be on the chastening end of His belt. Because it's painful. It's painful. The truth is, just as God directed Ezekiel to a hole in the wall to witness these wicked abominations of the children of Israel, He has a hole in your heart in your mind that he also looks in and gazes anytime he pleases. What's he going to see there? What's there? What's he going to hear inside of your mind? What's coming off of your lips? It's not what's on the outside that defiles man's, but what comes from the inside. And listen, I, I, I believe everybody, I don't know your testimonies. I, I can only say if you're a church member, then you must be saved if you're here today. That's all I know. But if there's any chance whatsoever that you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, never believed in the gospel, the Bible says now is accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. So I'd like to give an invitation. If you want to stand together and I'm going to pray, if you need to come to this altar, for any reason, whether it is for salvation or backslidden or you just need to pray, you're welcome to come up and pray. But uh, I want you to stand and pray together. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to You today, Lord, thanking You for the message. Lord, thank You for preaching it for us and through us. Lord, thank You for telling us the truth. God, not hiding it from us. God, we're so wicked and vile. Lord, we wouldn't be able to see the truth if it was right in front of our face. But God, because You've written it down in Your precious and holy Word, we've got it all for us. Lord, thank You for the guidance of the Holy Spirit that corrects us and shows us. Lord, warns us when we're in the wrong. May we heed to the Spirit. God, not push the Spirit away. God, not quench it either. But Lord, I'm praying for the folks that are in here today. If there's one, if there's two, if there's three, if the whole church, Lord, needs help today, Lord, would You help them? God, just touch their heart. Lord, all these, these people that's been mentioned, they're sick and suffering right now. We pray for them. Pray, God, you help them. Lord, may we lift you up and praise your holy name and be ambassadors for Christ. For it's these things that we ask in Jesus' name. And amen.